Welcome to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're live on February 21st from the studios of WMNF Tampa. There's an election in the city of Tampa on March 7th. That's just two weeks from today. It's the largest city in the region. So even if you aren't able to vote, your life could very well be impacted by whoever wins in the Tampa City Council elections. Mayor Jane Castor has only one opponent, candidate Belinda Noah, who is a write-in. One Tampa City Council member, Luis Vieira, is unopposed, but all six other races could be competitive. Here on 88.5 FM, we've been bringing you interviews from Tampa City Council candidates, and we continue that this week. Coming up this Friday, we have a special show lined up when the hosts of WMNF's newest show, The Skinny, will interview both candidates from District 4, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. So you really should tune in for that. And next hour on WMNF's Wavemakers, Janet and Tom will continue their interviews with candidates for District 3. This hour, we're going to hear from all the candidates for three seats, Districts 4, 5, and 6. All of them were invited to a Tampa Tiger Bay Club event last forum last Friday. One write-in candidate did not show up. That's Evelyn Janae Marie McBride in District 5. So let's listen to the candidates introduce themselves. First, we're going to hear from the two District 4 candidates, Bill Carlson and Blake Casper. And again, we'll be able to hear them live this coming Friday on The Skinny at 11 o'clock on WMNF. After we hear from them, we'll hear the two District 5 candidates, Gwendolyn, Gwen Henderson, and Orlando Goods. And then we'll hear from the five candidates for District 6, Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. You're listening to 88.5 FM WMNF from the studios of Tampa in Tampa. I'm Bill Carlson. I'm the Tampa City Council member for District 4. Been in almost four years. Uh, have been a neighborhood leader in uh, South Tampa throughout the city. Uh, been an advocate for the arts, among other things. And uh, also um, was a co-founder of Catholic on Tampa, Tampa Arts Alliance, uh, Ybor City Ad Hoc Arts Group, and many others. Look forward to having a great conversation. Hi, my name is Blake Casper, candidate for council, uh, City Council District 4, uh, businessman, uh, most recently McDonald's franchisee. We actually own the largest McDonald's franchise group in, in the Florida. Uh, we have the Oxford Exchange along with other hospitality contests. But it's a real pleasure to be in this forum, Tiger Bay. Uh, this, this is a, you know, institution and, and something that Tampa, you know, really, um, we, we, we are blessed to have. So grateful to be a part of this. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gwendolyn Henderson. I'm a political newcomer, but my favorite job is that of being an educator and the daughter to a 92-year-old mother who I take care of and a 32-year-old amazing daughter. Those are my most important jobs. But I'm here today. I got in the race for Tampa City Councilwoman District Number 5. It is a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. This is my first time at Tiger Bay, and I look forward to your questions. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Glad to be here again. Orlando Goose, your current Tampa City Councilman for District 5. As you know, I have the busiest district of any council member that sits on that council. I serve everybody, every community. When you talk about Channel Side, downtown, Tampa Heights, all of Ebor, all of East Tampa, all the way to the north end of Silver Springs and some of West Tampa. So I am the busiest councilman. My phone always rings. We always answer the call. We are, in my office, we are solution-driven. 
We don't want any issue to go unturned, and we're always going to question the issues and make things better for our communities. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nicole Payne, and I'm running to be your city council for District 6. My background is in business, finance, and education. And I have been a community-involved person since my days in, um, in the Bronx, New York, where I was born and raised, and also in Virginia, and I'm bringing those talents with me here to Tampa. Uh, Tampa is a city that I fell in love with, and I plan on continuing my efforts to help women and minority-owned businesses push forward for affordable home ownership and economic development. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for being here. My name is Hoyt Prindle. I'm running for Tampa City Council in District 6, and I look forward to being someone that focuses on bringing results-oriented leadership to Tampa City Council. Uh, whether it be as a lawyer solving complex problems for my clients or in my days as a commercial lender where I was able to deliver $140 million in approved funds from the SBA, um, I will focus tirelessly on working to fix the problems that the city has, most importantly, housing and transportation. And I look forward to working with my colleagues collaboratively um, and collectively to solve these big challenges. Thank you. I'm Charlie Miranda running for City Council District 6. Thank you all for being here. It's my pleasure to be here before you. I have the experience, the knowledge, and the word to do to understand what happened yesterday, today, and what's going to come in the future. When I first got elected, there was no Harbor Island. It was Staten Island. There was nothing in the east side of town, it's called La Draga, for us to understand from Ybor City. I was born and raised in Ybor City. Now look at the, what's happened all through there in the city. We have concentrated in bringing businesses in. We've done that. The city has changed a lot. And thank you all for being here. Thank you very much. My name is Tyler Barrett. I'm running for Tampa City Council District 6. Uh, I think this is the closest I've ever been to Charlie Miranda, but that's all right. Thank you all for having us. Thank you all for hosting this. I'm a community organizer of 10 years. I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, my dad was a roofer. My mama was a tobacco shop worker. Uh, and I'm running to fight for Tampa. Uh, so we'll talk more and thank you again. Hi, um, good afternoon. I'm Rick Pfeiffer. I'm running for Tampa City Council in District 6. Um, I have been around in Tampa for 30 years working on issues in Seminole Heights, which has given me exposure to a lot of the issues that come in front of City Council over those 30-some years. Um, my background is 22 years in social work, 18 years as a realtor. I've had my own small business for the last seven years. Um, I'm really committed to trying to make sure that neighborhoods get the attention that I think they need. Thank you. I'm going to sit quiet. Well, that was the five candidates for District 6. We just heard Rick Pfeiffer, Tyler Barrett, Charlie Miranda, Hoyt Prindle, and Nicole Payne. Before that, we heard the District 5 candidates, Orlando Goods and Gwen Henderson, and from District 4, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. They're all running for Tampa City Council. The election is March 7th. I'm Sean Canan. I'm host of Tuesday Cafe. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. The candidates were asked questions by Tampa Tiger Bay Club members in the audience. The first question was about their relationship with Mayor Jane Castor. We'll hear the candidates in the same order as previously. 
We'll hear the two District 4 candidates, Bill Carlson and Blake Casper, then the two District 5 candidates, Gwen Henderson and Orlando Goods, and then the five candidates for District 6, Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. I'm Gary Dalton. I would like to ask each of the candidates if you could name the number one issue that you agreed with the mayor on during the past four years and the number one issue that you disagreed with the mayor the last four years. Uh, the mayor's hired a lot of great staff. Uh, one of them more recently is Nicole Travis, who's head of economic development real estate. She's fantastic. She worked on redeveloping downtown Lakeland, and she's a joy to work with. Uh, what disagree is obviously toilet the tap. It's one of the worst uh, boondoggles. It's um, bad for the environment. It's going to be a huge burden on taxpayers, and it's something we just don't need. There's no uh, real justification for it. So, what? One of the first thing I agree with the mayor on is, is she's against all the amendments that, that have been put on by the council, and I agree with her on that. I, I, I believe in a strong mayor. I believe the council needs to stay in its lane, and I think the mayor needs to do the job on, on, in her lane. Uh, where I would disagree with the, with the, with the mayor, um, and this isn't a disagreement, but I think it's just a focus of, of law enforcement, of, of getting the right chief in, in the position uh, this time, and that's something that I will be very focused on. So, I believe the mayor has done a really good job with the diversified staff that she has in the history of the city of Tampa. It is the most diverse when I look at her C-suite. There are women who look just like me, and I think that that is very important that she has the diversity that represents the city of Tampa. One of the things that I probably um, see as a challenge was the Hannah Street project. The decisions um, were not quite clear in terms of the cost of that project. I um, think that there could have been some more communication regarding that. Thank you. I believe that uh, one thing we can't agree on with the mayor is that she came around in reference to the East Tampa Regional Complex uh, for East Tampa who's never ever received anything and the magnitude of the money that's going to go into East Tampa, as far as the sentence is concerned, I applaud her for coming around to do that. I disagree uh, reference to the uh, amendments. There are a lot of challenges with the charter when it comes to interpretation. And you have to understand the interpretations. I sat on the Charter Review Commission as a person that sat on it, and now sitting on council, I see why they needed to have that. And I'm sorry it's going to, be, it's going to look to go eight years, but I'm, I'm hoping, prayerful, that the next council that uh, elects a body to do that really looks at the interpretation and the wording. It's key when you look at how some things overlap into others and when you talk about separation of powers. And it's not a matter of this council who is trying to defunct a strong form of mayor of government. The government has to be transparent to all people. It has to be transparent on both sides. So for me, transparency is the key. I, like um, uh, the other city uh, candidate here, I agree with diversity on the council and in the administration. Um, what I disagree with is on a couple of things. I disagree with the pure initiative. I also disagree with going against the amendments. I believe that you should have a strong city council that supports the people and that is a checks and balances uh, for the council and also for the administration. So I don't believe that we should have an administration that is the voice of one. The administration should reflect the voice of many. Um, 
I think the thing that the mayor uh, probably has done best and that doesn't get enough credit for is her leadership during COVID. Uh, you know, people forget that in March of 2020, uh, we didn't know what we know now. Um, and I thought the mayor was decisive. She took action quickly um, and really led here in the state on that issue. And, and so she deserves to be remembered for that. Um, uh, like everyone else here, I, I agree with Bill. Uh, probably the biggest dispute I have is the, is the Pure or Toilet to Tap project. Um, rarely ever um, have I seen a project that is supported by almost no one um, in the community be so um, heavily pushed for, uh, and that's a little bit troubling, and so I, I appreciate the members of city council who have shown leadership um, to provide an appropriate check and balance to make sure that we're not uh, injecting forever chemicals into our uh, aquifer. Thank you. Let me say that the only time I meet with a mayor is regarding once a month when I come from Tampa Bay water for about 15, 20 minutes and regarding what happened there. That's number one. The second thing, I don't agree or disagree with the mayor. I vote the way I feel that's best for the public. If she's on that side, fine. If she's on either side, that's fine too. I do the same thing with council members. Sometimes there's a lot of six to one votes and I'm the one. If I feel that I'm going in the wrong direction for the public, I vote by myself. I stand alone. I fight alone and I ain't a word about anything else. So the problem is that the media reports so-and-so voted with the mayor. No, so-and-so, whoever those so-and-so is, voted for what that council member independently thought was the best thing for the city at that time. Now let me say about the Hanna Project. How many of you own a home? Raise your hand. How many of you rent? Those that, if you don't build Hanna, you're going to be renting the rest of your life. You'll never get an upset on anything in the city and you're never going to get things done right. So the Hanna Project is one that you're going to... I think we got Charles. So um, I'm going to answer the question. What I agree with the mayor on, one of the things, is her platform for sustainability. I think it could be improved like everything else all the time. And one thing I strongly disagree with, like some of my opponents and fellow candidates here, is the toilet to tap uh, project. Uh, I think calling it pure is an insult. And I was born in a city where when you turn on the tap water, it's brown. I know what that looks like firsthand. So I'm going to fight like hell to stand up to it and do whatever the community needs me to do. Thank you. I, I think probably the thing that I most agree with the mayor about is the continuity. Um, one of the things I've noticed over the years I've been in Tampa is how much the continuity shifts from one mayor to the next. I do appreciate greatly that there's been a lot more continuity in terms of how we proceed as a city. But like everyone else here, I'm, or most everyone, I'm strongly objecting to Pure. Um, I wasn't so sure when I first heard it, but I started doing my reading, you know, looking at some of the EPA literature and stuff like that. And all it's done is it's made me more convinced that this is a very bad idea and there's a lot of unanswered questions that I see coming up. On another matter, I happen to live down the street from that Hannah Avenue project, and that is very poorly designed, but that's a second issue. Well, those were the five candidates for District 6 in Tampa City Council races. Rick Pfeiffer, we just heard from, then Tyler Barrett, Charlie Miranda, Hoyt Prindle, and Nicole Payne. Before that, we heard the District 5 candidates, Orlando Goods and Gwen Henderson. And then from District 4, we heard Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. I'm Sean Canan. I'm the host of Tuesday Cafe. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. And I'm bringing you the voices of Tampa City Council candidates. The election is March 7th. 
And these they spoke on Friday at Tampa Tiger Bay Club. The next two questions that we're going to hear were about where candidates live in their districts and also about code enforcement. And during the question, you'll hear the abbreviation ADU. That stands for additional dwelling units. So that's like splitting up property into several residential dwellings. So we're going to hear from the two candidates for District 5 first, Gwen Henderson and Orlando Goods. Then we'll hear the five candidates from District 6, Rick Pfeiffer, Tyler Barrett, Charlie Miranda, Hoyt Prindle, and Nicole Payne. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. I'm Bishop Michelle B. Patty. I had to take an oath that I live in my home to, uh, in order to receive homestead exemption. I understand that you all have to take an oath that you have been living in a district for a year to represent that district. So, so can someone explain to me how a councilman for three years can live in a different district and receive homestead exemption? And again, we'll start with District 5, please. Miss Patty, that is a very good question. I happen to live in district number five and I've lived in district number five for 32 years. When I receive my bill, it is clear that I am exempt for the property that I live in. And that is very clear, that is not a mistake. And I, pre- I believe that when I signed my documents to run for this, I was also clear on the fact that I lived in district number five. And I think that that is a fair question. Well, I've lived in District 5 all my life. Uh, my house is on Hillsborough Avenue, where I grew up as a kid. Our family business is next to it. Uh, I've always uh, been driven in that community. The people know where I live at. And uh, when I found out, and I have no problem telling them, when I found out that there was a mistake made as, as far as it relates to uh, where someone lived, we immediately called the property appraiser. He told us what the rule was. We didn't know. Within 24 hours, we took care of what we need to take care of. We produced uh, our lease where I live at. And... Uh, we're done with that issue. We're moving on. That's a, a mute point at this particular point. We're moving on. Thank you so much. Um, we will move on. Hi, my name is Mary Beth Anglin. I'm also on the board with the West Tampa Chamber. And my question is uh, for District 6 candidates only. West Tampa for decades has been plagued with lack of code enforcement, especially when it comes to illegal apartments and units. I'd like for you all to tell us how you plan to manage allowing ADUs when such a problem already exists in that area. Okay, um, I guess I'm first on this one. Um, a couple years ago, there was um, an issue to remove um, the rental certificate program, and a lot of people supported that. I didn't because it was the one way you could have accountability. So when you have illegal rentals that are operating, Um, We don't have a way right now in the city of tracking it. I think that that is an important thing. I think when I've walked West Tampa, I've seen a lot of neglect, um, not just with the housing stock, but the walkways, the sidewalks, not being able to be passable or not usable. So that would be a priority. Could we get, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question, please? Is that allowed? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Again, this is only for District 6. West Tampa, for decades, has been plagued with lack of code enforcement, especially when it comes to illegal apartments and units. I'd like for you all to tell us how you plan to manage allowing ADUs. So the number one thing we can do is make sure we have open communication between homeowners as well as renters. Uh, I have years of experience building coalitions, uh, community organizing, and talking to the... 
talking to the neighborhood is my priority. Um, so for me, I'm all about, I'm a renter, so I'm pro-renter, but I also believe in preserving the character of our neighborhoods and bringing homeowners in every step of the way uh, in these conversations. Thank you. That's a very good question. West Tampa is inundated with illegal housing that they've cut into four places and they rent the room for $900 a month each. And we've been working on this with the administration. I haven't approached the mayor, but working with the administration to look at it. Uh, there's, there's housing in the West Tampa. They're so bold. They got A, B, C, and D on the apartments. There's others that they got eight and nine cars parked in the yard. That doesn't mean that it's rental. But what they've done, they're real smart. The first thing that you can find out, they put a fence completely around it. Then they put solar so the electric bill comes down. And however, they cannot put the water meter and change the water bill. So if any way, we're looking at it to see how much water is used per unit in that house. And that's how you're going to identify them. It's going to be a long battle because I would imagine there's legal. They're not paying taxes. They're not paying nothing for the school system. They're not paying nothing to the federal government. And they're screwing us. Well, certainly I think the first thing for code enforcement is if you want the codes enforced, you need a robust uh, and significant size code enforcement staff. So probably starting with increasing the size of the code enforcement staff would help be able to enforce these issues. Uh, in terms of the ADUs, uh, you know, if I know we're going through the process right now of changing the code to allow those more. And, you know, hopefully we can deal with a little bit of this on the front end when people are actually uh, applying for permits. You then know where the ADUs are. You can then address the issues regarding um, you know, the taxes and everything else. But, you know, really it's going to come down to having mo more code enforcement staff and relying on us as citizens uh, to report these issues when we see them. One of the problems with the additional dwelling units is that many people feel that they're forced to, um, to construct such units because of an affordable housing issue. And so when you start to address the affordable housing issue and stop uh, accepting that the the more money you receive from investors, the better the city will be, and forget about pushing out the residents, then we can start to make some headway. So there are code enforcements, and, and code enforcement decides to enforce codes in some areas and not in other areas. But those things have to be addressed with the administration. Um, but affordable housing has to be dealt with. And from what I've learned is that there were measures that were put forth uh, to the administration that was vetoed. Um, so the more lawyers we get that say, no, we can't do this and uh, make exceptions for other people, we're gonna continue to have a problem. Well, those were the five candidates for Tampa City Council, District 6. We just heard from Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. Before that, we heard the two candidates for District 5, Orlando Goods and Gwen Henderson. I'm Sean Canan. I'm the host of Tuesday Cafe. We're broadcasting from the studio of WMNF in Tampa. And we're starting to get some emails and text messages coming in about these candidates. So if you would like to weigh in, Phone probably won't be the best way to reach us today, but you can email us at dj at wmnf.org or you can text 813-433-0885. And the sooner you send a message, the more likely it is that I'll be able to squeeze it into our program today. Bubba writes, I hope that Rick Pfeiffer wins. I think he's a great public servant. So thank you for that comment, Bubba. And David in Tampa writes, I find Blake Casper's run for city council to be kind of suspicious. He's quite wealthy and it would be somewhat easy for him to pull a Rick Scott and buy the seat with a lot of advertising and big campaign coffers. 
I don't think he really understands how the lower and middle class people live in Tampa. So that's the opinion of David in Tampa about Blake Casper, who is running, of course, for District 4. And again, we're going to hear Blake Casper and Bill Carlson this coming Friday on The Skinny at 11 o'clock on WMNF Tampa. I can't wait for that great uh, conversation. And Next up, all the candidates are going to answer questions about the arts. We're going to hear first from the District 5 candidates in this order. Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. Then we'll hear the District 5 candidates, Gwen Henderson and Orlando Goods. And we'll wrap it up with the District 4 candidates, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. You're listening to WMNF in Tampa. Good morning or afternoon. The Tampa Arts Alliance has attended every candidate forum to ask candidates about your commitment to the economic engines that is the arts. What specifically will you do to enhance the city's support of the arts and why? And full disclosure, Bill Carlson is a founding board member. So I think we'll start uh, with six. I full-heartedly believe that creative arts is a, a blood vessel of our community. Um, I come from a creative background, my children come from creative uh, families, and when you have arts and entertainment in the school systems, you foster the ability to think outside the box. You become problem solvers. And so I fully believe in supporting the arts. The arts is what helped me think and create about solutions. And so I fully believe as I've gone into schools and supported creative thinking and additional school activities during the summer programs with PAL and so forth, I believe that we should continue to push those efforts for creative thinking and problem solving. Arts are central to the culture that we have as a city and we must uh, robustly support them. I know uh, Commissioner Cohen talks about this quite often. And really, as the city council, you know, the support that we have is monetary and through the budget. So uh, I certainly would uh, continue, as this council has, to continue supporting uh, the arts because it's critical. And, it, and it, it's critical in attracting uh, the kind of professionals that we need to come here that build a robust city and a robust economy that works for everyone. Right here in Ybor City, where I learned about the arts when I was a little boy growing up here in Sanchez Street, later in 1860, Counter Court. Arts, and right here in this building, there was a lot of artists that came in. There was a theater downstairs that did a great show and the difference. The Central, Estudiano Centro Español had the same thing. So every other month or something, there was a play going on in some of these theaters. And I was fortunate enough to be part of that. That led me into music when I was in junior high school and high school. And I wasn't a great trumpet player, but I did make the band. But what I'm saying is that these things, if you look at my support, I've always supported arts downtown, arts, and I, I can show you canceled checks where I've said contribution to many of the arts. Arts is a lending thing that calms your brain down so you understand a lot more. It opens it up. You can grasp things much better. So I, being from right here is where I learned how it was, and that's how I feel that the arts is something that's needed. There's a lot of sports, but art does more and brings more money than sports. So when I was growing up, music and arts were one of the only things we had. Uh, and public school was actually enjoyable because of that. Uh, on top of that, uh, studies show that children who spend an hour or more in music classes or in the arts in schools uh, score higher on tests. Um, and beyond that, uh, music and the arts brings people together. 
And in our society right now, I think that is what we need more than anything. Um, so I fully support the arts, uh, brings people to Tampa. Uh, as I said, it brings us together and it's scientifically proven to, again, raise test scores, uh, promote creativity and uh, helps lower crime in, in communities. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm not from here, but where I grew up, our high school was fortunate. We actually did an arts program every year that was pretty elaborate. I haven't seen anything anyplace else like that. And I think it's really important because when I'm talking to folks that have children and hearing what they don't have access to in our schools, then what we can do as a community to make art projects, education, places that they can be creative, I think that we need to support those. I know there's a, um, a center here in Ybor that I, was, I discovered that they did pottery. I don't even know if it's still open. But that was something where you could sign up in the community for a nominal cost. You could participate. And I think things like that need to be promoted for the children because if they're not available in the schools, then maybe we as a city can do those things so that they have outlets after school to do them. Thanks. Let's go with District 5. Yes. Thank you. I would definitely like to uh, answer that question as an educator. One of the things that's definitely important, and I know this firsthand, having invited an art teacher to the forum today, is that electives are very important when it comes to the art. I happen to be an artist mom. Uh, my daughter is out in California as a very successful makeup artist and writer, um, producing her own show right now. So I know how important that is. We have an opportunity in District 5, especially in East Tampa, to bring the artists, art form to that population. They deserve it. Um, in the light of COVID, we, we know that the social and emotional um, support that students receive through art has been very successful, especially um, for the past few years. East Tampa particularly has an opportunity with the development of the new center, that 10 um, acre property, to create opportunities for young people to engage. And I would commit to that to ask, um, answer your question is that I would ensure that art form, it does exist within that center and throughout District 5 because it is important, especially when we think about it in terms of our youth. Like I said before, the city makeup is of different people, different cultures. District 5 is a uh, a beast in itself because you have so many different areas and arenas. When you look at the east side of town, our kids have to know what the arts are. They have to be told what it is because they've never experienced some of them. So that's why that multicultural center I fought so hard to bring and get because that's going to have our kids who are doing step out of the hard concrete floor in the afternoon some of the other centers where it's hot and they can't see themselves in the mirrors like other centers doing ballet and dance, making music when you go to a new Tampa Center and they've got mirrors all around the room and those kids can see themselves perform. So for me, it's to bring those inequities to those communities who are underserved, who can be a part, be able to get scholarships, can be able to make their, their dream come true and have money in their pockets. So for me, it's very critical that our kids are knowledgeable and our communities are knowledgeable of the arts. Thank you. Back to District 4. Yeah, um, it, um, I'm a huge supporter of the arts. I gave a million dollars to the Art Museum, Tampa Art Museum, last year. Um, but, but more importantly, I, I'm, I'm much more excited about what Michael Tomore at, at the Art Museum has done with the Hillsborough Education Foundation 
to work with the schools and getting arts throughout our public schools. That's where it really can make a difference. Um, you know, art is great in a museum, but really activating it, showing the, how important art can be um, is, is, is really where, um, where I think we can, we can do some great work. Thank you. So I'm a, my firm and I are big supporters of the arts and my colleagues are big supporters of the arts. Um, years ago, I was living in Singapore and Asia for five years. I was in part an advisor of the Singapore government. At the time, Singapore was trying to move from being a manufacturing base to building value-add design of things like semiconductors and other kinds of high-value industries. And then in the mid-90s, I was an advisor of the St. Petersburg government, helping them develop the art scene in St. Pete and connect it to their economy. I'm also on the board of the Florida Chamber Foundation, where we look at Florida's economy every year and figure out how we can move up the value chain. Arts are not just something nice to have. They're essential. Accenture alone has about 80,000 software robots, and they're doing right now to white-collar jobs what mechanization did to blue-collar jobs 100 years ago. The jobs of the future are about creativity, innovation, and cr critical thinking, and the way you learn that is through the humanities and the arts. Well, those were candidates for Tampa City Council. They were speaking on Friday at Tampa Tiger Bay Club. I'm Sean Canan, the host of Tuesday Cafe. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. We just heard from District 4 candidates. That was Bill Carlson. And before that, we heard from Blake Casper. And then before that was the District 5 candidates, Orlando Goods and Gwen Henderson. That, that audio clip started with the five District 5 candidates, Rick Pfeiffer, Tyler Barrett, Charlie Miranda, Hoyt Prindle, and Nicole Payne. And I'm wondering, who are you supporting? Which In these three races, which are the candidates that you would like to see win? And also, if you missed any of this show, or if you want to tell a friend about it that they can listen back later, WMNF.org, beginning about this afternoon, we'll have this on our front page, our homepage, and you can listen to the whole program again or share it with your friends, especially if you know people who are voting in the Tampa City Council elections on March 7th and they are not sure who to support yet, maybe this forum will help them to decide. So we're going to hear some more answers to more questions. Next up, the candidates were asked about how the current Tampa City Council gets along or doesn't get along. We're going to hear first from the District 4 candidates, incumbent Bill Carlson and challenger Blake Casper. And I want to remind you again that those two will be on WMNF's The Skinny this coming Friday at 11. So I hope you tune in for that forum. After we hear from those two candidates, we'll hear the District 5 candidates, Gwen Henderson and incumbent Orlando Goods. Then the five District 6 candidates, Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, incumbent Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. Hey, I'm Patrick Murphy. Um, I know a lot of citizens have been really disappointed with, um, with, with how the city council has been acting in chambers. Uh, what steps would you take specifically to foster an, ad, uh, an environment of professionalism and, and bring some credibility back to the city council? Thanks. We're going to start back with District 4 on that one. I'll answer that. The, the so-called disputes of city council are overblown by the media and they're pushed by the communication department of the city uh, government. Uh, there are disagreements. There are one or two people that start disagreements every now and then on city council. Sit there for uh, 12, 14, 16 hour days, and you might see a two minute dispute. 50 meetings a year that last 12 or 14 hours. City Council gets along very well. Charlie and I have disagreed many times on issues, but we're friends outside the workplace. So what I encourage you to do is look at how we treat each other at events like this and look at how we talk to each other. And I'll say this, yesterday, 
Yesterday, it's going on. Yesterday, I met with the chief of staff for 30 minutes and asked him, I said, a lot of my supporters are the same supporters as the mayor and they want us to get along. And I said, for the 10th time, tell me what we can do to get along with each other. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna be completely committed after I win to make sure we all get along with each other. I'm gonna beat Bill. So that's, that's how we're gonna, we're gonna solve that. Um, I, uh, but, but you know, Honestly, you know, I, I actually kind of agree with Bill on some of this, that, that some of this is overblown. Um, and, you know, we, we do have to address differences, right? Just like in this room, right? We're not going to agree on everything. You know, we've got, you know, different opinions all over the place. So I do, you know, it is council's job to, it's a check and balance on the mayor. I mean, so, so you know, just saying we're going to get along isn't, you know, isn't a campaign promise either. So I, I, I want to be very careful that there is a way to, to make the council more productive, to make the city more productive, to make the city more accountable. Um, but, but it's not just about saying, well, we're not, we're, we're just all going to be nice to each other. Cause I, I don't think that's, that's a solution either. So just wanted to clarify that, but I do want to beat Bill. You know, there's a thing um, in secondary and primary education and even at the collegiate level called design thinking. And the very first thing that you have to do is you have to get rid of your prejudices when you're working with people, especially when they have differences. Everyone's idea deserves to be heard and that's really important. Um, someone may say something that's on the opposite side of the table with you that actually may be a good idea and you have to be open to receiving that and doing something about it. That is not just the city council, but also listening to the mayor and to our constituents, the people that we serve. So I think design thinking and bringing that problem-solving strategy to city council will be very happy. And I'll be happy to grade people on it, you know, to see how they're doing. Um, another thing is, is that the um, one thing that's um, for certain, according to Florida politics, is that 63% of the population wants is a city council that will help move the mayor's agenda along. And I actually do agree with that as well. And I feel like I have the opportunity to do that as your next city council for district number five. You know, as a, as a ball coach, first thing you learn is you respect everybody on the field. Everybody has to be respected. You're not going to agree all the time with somebody, but you still have to respect the person. Period. First thing on council I learned from Mr. Miranda. He says, Goose, he says, Never get upset with somebody's vote. Never get upset with somebody's vote because you don't know what the constituents are saying. You don't know what the agenda is. You vote how you need to vote. But you also have to have leadership when you uh, are leading people. You have to be respectful to people. You can't be disrespectful. But you're always going to agree to disagree, but I can do that. And I've always been a compromise on the board to listen to all thoughts. But when you have experiences, you bring those to the table. When you talk about those experiences, to render support for the ideas that you want. We're not always gonna agree with the mayor, and that's not our job to always agree with the mayor. Our job is to question what goes on in this city. Our job is to question the money in this city. Our job is to question what goes on, and I'm gonna continue to do that. Everyone pretty much knows that the key to any relationship is effective communication, but the other piece of that is not just to communicate, but can you comprehend 
what is being said. And so you have to take the time to understand the other person's perspective without prejudice. Seek to understand what are the bottom line issues that you're attempting to resolve. I have the ability to work with just about anybody across any spectrum. I've come from the hood and I can sit at your dinner table and I can go into any corporate boardroom and be able to speak effectively. So I understand your issues at heart. I can provide empathy. And where we disagree, we can provide compromise. But we must first seek to comprehend when we're communicating with other people. It starts with building relationships and treating people with trust and respect. Um, it's very difficult to work with people when you criticize them on a personal level. And so I don't criticize sitting uh, city council members personally, and you can look at the way we all run our campaigns. I, I have people in my, my ear all the time. Oh, you need to say this about Charlie. You need to say that about Charlie. Well, I'm not going to say it. One, I like Charlie. And two, I didn't get into this race to run against Charlie. I got into this race to solve problems and fix issues. So if I'm going to be on city council, I'm going to stay laser focused on the issues and I'm going to work with anyone and everyone I can because even if like I don't agree with Bill or Orlando about stuff, you know, 80% of the time, that 20% of the time matters and that may be something that really moves an issue forward for this city. So I'm going to start by just treating people with respect and conduct myself the way I do in my professional life and the way I have in this campaign. Thank you very much. It's a question that uh, if you look at all the tape from city council, you see Charlie sitting on one end just listening for a long, long time while everybody's talking about something. And then I decide to vote. If that vote is different than somebody else's, so be it. But I don't start yelling at nobody. I don't criticize anyone. I tell them exactly what I think is a, what I believe is best for the public. If you want to call that a squabble, so be it. But I'm not the one that likes to start something. If I have to tell you something, I'm going to tell you personally one-on-one, -on -one, and it's not going to be nice. However, I was also raised in the hood, 1860 Cannel Court. But anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is that the council members have the right to have an opinion. You can't just be seven votes all the time one way or the other, because then you only need one person. So if you have seven different ideas, that's not a bad thing. You just narrow them down, see which is best. Look at the city of Tampa, which got in the last 15 years. Nobody thought that could happen, but those things did happen. Thank for all of us that worked together. I believe in compromise. I also believe you have to stand for something. And it's one thing to uh, remain quiet and listen. It's another thing to be afraid to vote one way or the other because you're afraid of losing money. With that being said, I'm a community organizer. There's something we learn in the organizing world. There's a word, it's called agitation. And I encourage you to look up that word and what it really, what it really means. And being an agitator doesn't mean being dysfunctional or confrontational. It means not being afraid to ask the hard questions that people are afraid to talk about. Thank you very much. Um, as I'm listening to this and I'm listening to a lot of the criticism from council over the, the relationship with the mayor, I actually go back to when I first got involved in neighborhood stuff with Old Seminole Heights. I didn't know a single blessed soul when I got elected to their board. And I wanted to make changes. And you know, somehow I managed to get a majority to see what I was trying to do. You can disagree, you don't have to be disagreeable. And I think that 
what I see most of the time with council members is I see them being disagreeable. Like the public, I see some things that seem to drag on way too long. But my point is, we can always get stuff done if we understand where somebody's coming from, what their motivation is. And the bottom line, I've even nominated people for neighborhood boards that I fundamentally disagreed with because our heart was in the right place. Thank you. Well, those were Tampa City Council District 6 candidates, Rick Pfeiffer, Tyler Barrett, Charlie Miranda, Hoyt Prindle, and Nicole Payne. Before that, we heard District 5 candidates, Orlando Goods and Gwen Henderson, and District 4 candidates, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. You're listening to WMNF in Tampa. I'm Sean Canan. I'm the host of Tuesday Cafe. We're bringing this to you as a public service because Tampa City Council elections are in two weeks, March 7th, and... I think that you want to hear from the candidates and we're giving you plenty of opportunities today. Our next show will we'll host some candidates running for district three. And on Friday, we'll hear both the candidates for district four here live in the WMNF studios, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. And we're getting emails. Uh, I asked people, who do you support for Tampa city council? You can email us at DJ at WMNF.org. Time is running out, so send it now, or you can text 813-433-0885. Well, Gary Gibbons writes in, he is the Sierra Club political chair, and he wants to let us know who the Sierra Club has endorsed in the Tampa City Council races. So I'll start with the races of the candidates that we're hearing today. In District 4, the Sierra Club is endorsing Bill Carlson. In District 5... They are endorsing Orlando Goods, and in District 6, they are endorsing Hoyt Prindle. Here are the other races. In District 1, the Sierra Club is endorsing Alan Clendenin. In District 2, Guido Menescalco, and in District 3, Lynn Hurtak. So those are the endorsements of the Sierra Club political uh, committee of in the local area as sent in, as emailed in by their political chair, Gary Gibbons. So thank you for that information. Next up, speaking of the Sierra Club and of water and of Gary Gibbons, we had Gary on a few couple of months ago to talk about this issue about water in Tampa, what the mayor is calling the Pure uh, Project and what has previously been called Toilet to Tap. So we're going to find out from all the candidates what their opinions are about that. Again, I want to remind you that you're listening to WMNF Tampa. We're going to hear from the District 6 candidates first. Nicole Payne, Hoyt Prindle, incumbent Charlie Miranda, Tyler Barrett, and Rick Pfeiffer. Then we'll hear the District 5 candidates, Gwen Henderson and incumbent Orlando Goods. And then the District 4 candidates, incumbent Bill Carlson and Blake Casper. Here they are. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Connie Gage. I live in District 4, and my question is for Blake Casper. Given the level of your social stature in our community and the number of numerous business developments you're involved in, if you were elected to this seat, how accessible would you actually be to your constituents? Well, I, I, I don't think I'll be any less accessible than any other city council member. Um, I, um, you know, so just to give you an idea, I mean, I had, I had about 4,000 employees last, last year. I don't have today. Um, so I have considerably less on my plate than, than I did last year. Um, so this does give me an opportunity. Um, it is a way for me to give back. Uh, I'm fully committed to District 4. Um, and so uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about the prospects of working on District 4, the infrastructure, the transportation issues that we have. 
And, um, and so I, I'll be very accessible. And I can't wait. I already have. This has been a fun process. I've never done this before. I've never run. Um, but I've already met more people um, than maybe I've met in years. And, um, and I've gotten a lot of feedback, believe it or not, on stuff that I wasn't, I wasn't aware of, becoming more aware of it. And, um, and so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very accessible. Uh, in fact, my cell number is 813-918-4101. Give me a call. Thanks. In the interest of not ending with a one-candidate answer, does anyone have a question for all of the candidates? Hello. The mayor has resurrected Pure. Supporters of Pure always cite places like California and Arizona that treat their wastewater and use it as a source of drinking water. What they don't say is that every place that converts wastewater into drinking water uses reverse osmosis. Reverse osmosis has never been proposed in Tampa. Please demonstrate your knowledge of reverse osmosis. Thank you. And you'll have to do it in 30 seconds so that we can get out of here. Um, I'm going to start with District 6. Well, I didn't know we were going to be back in science class <laughs> for reverse osmosis. And so um, I'm, I'm not a supporter of the PURE initiative. Um, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, this is a project that has been working on, uh, they've been working on for years, um, but haven't found what they should do with the drinking water, whether they should use it in the tap or whether they should use it to, lawn, uh, to uh, water your lawns. Um, I'm not in favor of it. There are too many chemicals that are in the toilet now that we cannot guarantee will be out by time it takes time to get to our tap. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a great desal plant here that does a very good job of treating the wastewater with reverse osmosis. Um, I'm proud to be endorsed by the Sierra Club, uh, it, partly because, again, uh, I've come out against Toilet for Tap and will be a vote, for it, a vote against it on City Council. And, um, you know, I commend the council currently for doing a good job um, on pushing back on that issue and making sure it hasn't gone forward. You can check the United States of America. I was thinking about the, in general. There are 32 water certificate areas that do exactly what you're talking about. And those areas produce 70 million or 60 million gallons of water. Orange County, Gwinnett County, <clears throat> all the way up to Virginia, all the way to California, to Colorado. There's 32 of those plants that produce that sample water to drink. Not one person has ever died or the media would have reported it. So um, what I hear is a lot of people dodging the question, and I'll be honest, I like to be transparent. Uh, this isn't something that I'm 100% confident answering right in this moment, but I will absolutely get back to you. I've been spending my days knocking doors, making calls, and learning a lot about our water system and what other cities are doing to make it better. I can tell you, as I've said many times, I will do my homework, uh, but I'm not going to lie to you or, or dodge the question. But thank you for what y'all are bringing to the table. Well, I was walking neighborhoods yesterday and I had somebody tell me that my opposition to Pure was false information. So here's what I've learned as far as the reverse osmosis. Yeah, they force the water through a membrane. It comes out, it filters out the, the microbes, it filters out the PFSAs. I can't say that without tripping over it. And basically you end up with a concentrate, which is then something that has to be disposed of somehow. However, that's it.
what I want to say about reverse osmosis as it relates to even to just human beings in general, particularly women, when we try to alter things, um, there are some challenges with that. So when it comes to this particular issue and water, I'm not comfortable with all of the feedback from the community and from city council in saying, in terms of, hey, we don't have enough information. Uh, when I was listening to Bill Carlson the other day at um, the university club, he said, we don't have a water problem right now to invest $6 billion into something that we're just not familiar with. So I would agree with that to a point, but would need to more information as well. The, uh, we have what was when it was built, one of the most state-of-the-art reverse osmosis plants in the world uh, down at Big Ben. Um, back in the late 90s, I was lucky enough to be involved in the organization that did that. And I was able to bring the Singapore Prime Minister over here to tour our facility because we were the standard in the world. The bottom line is Sierra Club is against this toilet tap program. Younger Republicans are against it because it's a waste of money. We don't need this water for another 50 or 100 years. There are other alternatives that we can use that are better and more regionally collaborative. You know, I'm, I'm against toilet for tap, and and you know I think we, you know like Bill just said. I mean, we, we we do need to keep evolving. We've evolved over the last 30 years of how we've been treating and 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 recycle or not recycling, but um, conserving our, our our water. So I think that's the process, and I think it's the process we need to continue to go down. Um, but. Toilet for Tap is not a good brand name. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it's really hard politically to get behind Toilet for Tap, so I'm, I'm against Toilet for Tap. As I recall, in 2019, when we had the PICE program, we stopped the Toilet for Tap program, and then it came back up under another name. As I recall, the last couple of council meetings, I asked, when it came up again, I said, how do we just stop this from coming up again? And I still haven't got the answer. I believe our legal counsel, city council attorney said by a resolution, but he hasn't got back to me so we can just stop this foolish and just stop it and move on. But I did ask the question, how can we just put this to bed? Well, those were all the Tampa City Council candidates for three seats, District 4, 5, and 6. All were invited to a Tampa Tiger Bay Club forum last Friday. The election is Tuesday, March 7th. You've been listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. I'm the News and Public Affairs Director here at WMNF Tampa. And we will be back next Tuesday at 10. We'll be asking for your financial support for this show and for all of WMNF. Our week-long membership drive begins tomorrow morning. You can get a head start by making a donation online now at wmnf.org. WMNF.org is also where you can listen to this forum again or share it with your friends who are City of Tampa voters. I'll have that up on the website probably in the next hour or 90 minutes or so. Our next program after NPR News Headlines on WMNF Tampa is Wavemakers with Janet and Tom Sherberger. They will continue WMNF's focus on candidates for Tampa City Council. They'll have on two more candidates who are running for District 3. And this Friday at 11 on The Skinny, Mitch Perry and the rest of the team will host a live forum between the two candidates for District 4, Blake Casper and Bill Carlson. Two weeks from today, a special Tuesday cafe will talk about the Beatles in Florida, 1964.